Jones and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tim Ring is in for Gambo on this Friday afternoon. Sun's getting ready to tear. Oh, sun, sorry. The Cardinals, it's, it's, it's been a week, folks. It's been a week. Cardinals getting ready to take on the Broncos on Sunday afternoon. Maybe we should send the Suns. Maybe we should. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> Joining us right now from ABC Denver 7, uh, Broncos Insider also does hits on our sister station up there, 104.3 in Denver. Troy Rink joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Pardon our punchiness, Troy. I apologize for that. I'm Dave. This is Tim. Welcome to the show. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I know, Troy. We go way back. Yes. Troy, what's Tim. up, my man? Everything's good, Tim. How are you? Very good. You wait until we're on the air until you spring this on me? We've been talking every commercial break all day long, and this is the first I hear about this. I don't want to tell you my business. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my personal life. Man, okay. I worked well, in Denver for like 10 years. Well, I figured man. you might have known Troy because you worked in Denver, but I just thought you would have said something by now. Sorry, again, like I say, Troy, it's, uh, we're a little punchy. So, um, Russell Wilson uh, is, what, what's, is there a backstory here behind a quarterback who's been medically cleared to play but is still not going to play? What 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 is what are some of the circumstances surrounding Russell Wilson not starting on Sunday against the Cardinals? Yeah, it was an interesting, if not fascinating, decision because it indicates how much the climate has changed toward head injuries. I think we have to look to the two injury earlier this year that resulted in the amendment to the concussion protocol that if you show instability that you're immediately removed from a game. I do think eventually you're going to see an amendment added that if a player is deemed to have been knocked unconscious in a game that he is immediately ruled out the following week. And that is what worked against Russell Wilson is the slow motion replays showed him where he appeared to be unconscious at that, you know, million mile gaze, glazed over eyes. He had instability. And even though he cleared protocol and we spoke to Russell today, it was a decision that was involving ownership, general manager George Payton, Coach Nathaniel Hackett, the medical staff, mm. all deciding that he needed, he needed another week, that it would just be in his best interest to prioritize his safety, and Russell did not agree with it. He was not, you know, angry, at least when we spoke to him, but I know from talking to sources he's not happy because he said, I cleared protocol, I should be able to play, and he's never missed a game for a concussion in his 11-year career. You do have to wonder, and listen, if they were 7-6, and six, buying for a playoff berth, would this same decision have been made? We'd like to think so, but I'm not going to sit here and say that given the NFL's history with dealing with this issue, but it does make sense to give him another week to rest. There's nothing to play for other than personal statistics. He's a $242 million investment by ownership, so I can certainly understand ownership saying, he needs another week. This isn't worth the, the risk reward. Is just not worth it right now. Hey Troy, there may be nothing to play for, but for Hackett, is there anything to coach for at this point? The losing streak is at five. Obviously, the records at, at three and ten. Have decisions already been made? What are you hearing? What do you think about his future there in Denver? Yeah, these two teams mirror each other when you look about speculation about head coaches and and it's the reframed expectations with Wilson. Typically a coach even in Denver who struggled, whether it was Vance Joseph and you know, I like and respect Vance, but whether it was Vote Joseph or Big Fangio and now Hackett, you would get a second year. The difference with Hackett is he has Russell Wilson and Hackett was hired to do one thing, Tim, and that was to fix the offense. 
and they've been historically bad offensively. Their worst offense since 1966. Oh my. That's going to be hard for him to overcome. They're also the most penalized team in the league, which is a reflection directly on the head coach. And so how could he survive it, which I don't think he will, would be if they go, let's say, 3-1 and one over these final four games and average like, 23, 26 points somewhere in there. Because even if they go 3-1 and one and they're winning 13-10, to 10, it doesn't solve the issue of you were brought in to fix the offense and it just appears that so many of his offensive staff were miscast. It was a young staff, a revolutionary staff. We're not going to do anything in preseason. Everything's going to be light and easy to stay healthy. Well, they have the most money, I think, along with the Cardinals, tied up on injured reserve. Yep. They're the most penalized team, and they're terrible offensively. And because of the presence of Russell Wilson, and he's not going anywhere next year, I don't know how Hackett would survive this. That Ultimately, it's return on investment with Wilson, and it's finding a head coach that can get the most out of Wilson beginning next year because this has just been an abject failure in every way imaginable. Troy Ring from ABC Denver 7, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, Broncos Insider. I, I know there's still you know a quarter of the season to go. Has there been any speculation or have you heard anything through your sources as to who might be next in Denver when they start looking for another coach, if that's the direction they go? Well, again, this is the issue is finding a coach that wants this job because this is crazy because I covered their Super Bowl championship year. I started back on the Broncos beat in 2014 after years on the Rockies beat. So maybe it's me just covering bad teams. But they, <laughs> you know, again, since 2015, they've missed, the, they'll, we'll have now missed the playoffs seven straight years, six straight losing seasons. Only the Jets have a longer playoff absence. And so it's not, my point is, it's not a desirable job as it once was. They have great facilities. People, Tim, can attest to love living in Colorado, but this fan base, the expectations are win, win, win. There's no patience here. Even if they were transparent and said we're going to tear it down and rebuild, I don't know how well that would go over. They would appreciate the transparency, but it's just not a market where you rebuild, and it's so heavily covered. So who wants the job? I think if you look at a guy, they, for me, you have to go with a guy who's been a previous head coach. Dan Quinn and Schottenheimer and or Bevel, can that combination work, Quinn? Finish second or third, depending on who you asked. It was between Hackett, O'Connell, and Quinn. And Hackett won the interview. I think if the Broncos learn anything from this process is the resume at this point has to outweigh the interview. Because Hackett's a great guy. If you're around him, you love you know, everyone likes the guy. So personable. But he's just miscast as a head coach. So Dan Quinn, keep an eye on him. Would Jim Harbaugh, if you just give him, you know, $100 million to come save us, would he be involved? Sean Payton gets mentioned, guys. I just don't know why he would consider Denver if either the Chargers or Rams jobs open, or even the Cowboys if he thinks it's going to open. They're just not as desirable as those jobs, especially if he has a chance to coach Justin Herbert. Um, And so those are the names I hear the most. But Quinn is one that would be realistic that he has a relationship with the GM here. I thought he was going to get the job, frankly, last year until Hackett kind of passed him at the end of the process. But that's the names that we're hearing now, and that's the names I'm hearing now specifically. Uh, Quinn, Harbaugh, Peyton, uh, you know, there's Leslie Frazier, Frank Reich, there's other guys. But Quinn, I would, as we sit here today in the middle of December, is the one I would have put atop my list. Hey Troy, you know I normally like to ask you about the game on Sunday, but God, I just there's really I'm not sure there's really anything to dig our dig our fingers into this thing. So I'll ask you this: new ownership there in Denver. What's been the reaction? What's been your impression? How has the fan base reacted to to what they've seen so far? The media. What do, what do you guys think 
about a new era in, in Bronco football after coming off of so many years of the Pat Bolin and the Bolin family era. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to see it leave the family. The, the loyalty and the love for the Bolin family is real. I mean, Pat Bolin's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He's a Hall of Fame owner. But the last several years were a mess. I mean, the lack of stability uh, from ownership, the lack of stability in head coach and quarterback, it's all the reflection of this. what's become, if not dysfunctional, certainly a team that's just become a bottom feeder team in terms of record. They're 3-14, and 14, Tim, in their last 17 games. They're the worst team in the NFL over the last calendar year 17 games. And this has been earned. It's not like, oh, they're losing close games. Yeah, it's been, you don't get orange slices and Capri Sun. It's the NFL. <laughs> and part of the reason the games are close is teams know they can't score. So they don't even try to score once they get up on them by 10 points. But the reaction has been visceral. The fans are furious. And, again, this year is different because of the expectations with Wilson. I thought the, the, the floor was 7-10. and 10. I thought they would go 10-7. and seven. I mean, you know, because of Russell Wilson, their defense is really good. They're going to have – it should have a winning record. And from opening night in Seattle – through last week, it's just been an, just a disaster from game management, clock management, decisions, injuries, and horrible offense. So it's been jarring. It's been jarring. And Broncos fans, this might be, this will probably set the season high for no shows because last week there were only like 2,300 no shows. And it ended up being a great game, entertaining game against the Chiefs. But now it's holiday season. People, it's supposed to be cold, you know, in the 30s with wind. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of you know more empty seats than we've seen in any game this year. Uh, there's just no there's no juice to this game. The Chiefs always brings juice because it's still a rivalry, even though they've beaten the Broncos 14 straight times. It's still a rivalry. There's no juice to this oh, this is this game. So fans are mad. They're mad and they want to see what is going to happen with Hackett. They want to see if Russell Wilson can bounce back and prove that he's just not a player that's on the decline. And it's been. Whew, I have not, in the seven years since Manning, there's been nothing like this in terms of the disappointment. All right, man. Tell Lionel I said he's a punk. All right. <laughs> I will tell him on, <laughs> on Sunday. Troy, Troy Rink from ABC Denver 7, our guest on the Burns and Gamble Show. Thank you, Troy. We appreciate the time. All right, have a great show, guys. Take care. See you. See you, buddy. Troy Rink joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. I do want to remind you, soccer families and fans, ASU is hosting a free World Cup Finals watch party on Sunday morning inside Sun Devil Stadium on December 18th. Of course, the event is free, but advanced registration is required. So please visit this website, ASU365communityunion.com to register. Again, that's ASU365communityunion.com to register. It is a naturally born rivalry that is starting to develop between the Suns and the Pelicans. How, other than Jose Alvarado, did exactly we get to this point? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, on second thought, I think I want to change my answer to Eric's poll question. Suns by a little, Suns by a lot, Pelicans by a little, Pelicans by a lot. DeAndre Ayton, campaign, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, Dwayne Washington Jr. all remain out for the Suns game tomorrow against the Pelicans per our own Kellen Olsen. Okay. Well, I mean, Jay, Cam, Dwayne. Okay, we knew that. Um... But DeAndre not playing. I was hoping Aiden to get back. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to get back. I was I was hoping he was going to get back to get 
as close to you know we were talking about right hooks earlier if you're going to put your full weight into your right hook you want to be able to have all all of the guys that can be there there i think it's going to be hard for the suns to give the new orleans pelicans their best right hook without deandre Ayton. yeah we'll see well look at, it's going to be hard look at the look at the meat on that pelicans front line <sighs> with zion and Vasilunas. now Balanchunas. Balanchunas. Yep. Um, Busy and Landale can't hang with those two boys. That's going to be that's going to be a real problem for the Suns. Yes, it is defensively. So yeah, I want to change my vote. <laughs> no, listen. Here's what here's what I think is going to happen. I, the Suns are going to play. The Suns are going to play very, very well tomorrow. And I, I think, think so too. I, I think, think so Devin, too. I think Devin Booker is going to have himself a big game. Mikel Bridges is going to have to find a way, and Torrey Craig they're going to have to find a way to battle. And and, and Biombo is going to have to find a way to to, to hang with the, with the big fella. And you're going to maybe maybe Zion's going to go for thirty five, but Booker might have to go for forty five. Right. It's going to take one of those special nights. Yeah, and that of could Booker. happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, uh, you're right. I don't want to sit here and say no chance. There's no way. Um, uh, sure, there's a way. Of course, there's a chance. It's the NBA. I, I mean, for goodness sakes, you know, what, what, Memphis destroyed the Milwaukee Bucks last night in the NBA, right? I mean, like stuff happens in the NBA. Stuff that's hard to explain happens in the NBA. So, of course, they can win the game. It's, it's, it's just now that we've gotten to this point and, and you – I thought brilliantly put it earlier in the show. We've got like a real legit rivalry between the Suns and the Pelicans. And what's really cool about it is that it's natural. It, it just, it was, it was born from nothing but actual basketball. It wasn't created by some marketing guy. It wasn't put together because ESPN or TNT says it. So it's just there. And, and that's, it's odd. It's unusual. The regionally, they're not in the same. You know, there's no history. There's no really. The only thing they have in common is that their head coach used to be the lead assistant for Monty a couple of years ago. But beyond that, there's really no commonalities between these. Two. I guess Dave Griffin, to a certain extent, Chris Paul is a commonality. Chris Paul, I suppose Monty used to coach. So I guess there are when you do, but not nothing that would fuel a rivalry. Nothing that would say, oh, the Pels and the Suns hate each other because Monty no. used to coach there or because Chris used to play there. No, it, it's born out of tight aggressively played and contested basketball games and a young upstart team yeah. taking a shot at the number one seed. I mean, it was Rocky and Apollo. You could even argue that one of the main reasons why this rivalry exists isn't even a part of it anymore. And that's Jay Crowder. Who could forget F.J. Crowder shirts, right, during the playoffs? Of course. Who could forget Devin Booker wearing one in the post-game press conference after they eliminated the Pelicans, right? Who could I mean, that? And, and, hell, he's not even on the team anymore. He's sitting, rotting at home, putting up Instagram workouts, trying to find a next team, right? So um, it, it, it's... It's beautiful. It's fun. I mean, those those kind of rivalries are the bad. If we're just being honest about it, these two teams, does it feel like they're on a collision course for a playoff matchup? Could be. Could these two teams end up being 1-2 in the West when it's all said and done? Maybe. Could be. It doesn't. It feels like 
either the Pelicans are on the Suns' tail or the Suns are on the Pelicans' tail, kind of like Top Gun Maverick, and they're going to be they're they're going to be on each other's tail almost like the entire season. Well, there was no doubt last year the the Pelicans were punching up. Now, they got off to a terrible start last terrible year. Start. I think they were one in twelve, right? So they they were they were coming from behind, but they gave the Suns all they could handle in that six game series. And the only reason it ended in six is because Chris Paul came up with arguably one of the best playoff performances shooting wise in the history of the league. Fourteen for fourteen. It was fourteen for fourteen to end that series before it even got to seven games. But let's be real: the Pelicans aren't punching up this year. No. They may very well have a higher seed when the playoffs begin. We'll see how that all plays out. But like we talked about earlier in the show, when you talk about a one-two punch at the top of a roster, you could very easily make the case the top of the Pels roster at one-two is stronger than the top of the Suns roster one-two. Ingram and Zion? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly right now they are. Yeah. Now we'll see where Chris is by the season's end and... We'll see who else is here by the season's end. <laughs> right. Wink, wink, wink. Somebody, nudge, nudge, I mean, somebody no new is going to be here. They're going to trade Jay at some point. At, at somebody's going to be new here at some point in the conversation. But, but yeah, it's right now I would give the edge to the Pels because of their top two players being better than the top two players of the Suns right now. now this is all fluid. I mean, last weekend the Pels handed it to the Suns over the course of two games. This week the Pelicans went to Utah. Same deal. They played the same team twice, you know, over the span of three days, Utah won both games, you know, and, and, so, and, and so it's, again, it's the NBA, these things happen, you know, the Boston Celtics came in here and worked the Suns, and then the Celtics went out and got worked themselves by a few teams, right? So it's, nobody should ever read too much into December basketball as any kind of a guide for what's going to be, but I do think we can very much read into these two teams as they're going to be on each other's heels all even though this is the last time they're playing for the regular season they're going to be on each other's heels the whole year no you can read into this though the jazz or excuse me the the pels are talented they are young they are hungry and they don't like the suns and <laughs> they want to beat the suns and the suns are going to get their best shot for whatever reason the suns stick in their craw they maybe most importantly they don't fear the suns no and that is a dangerous, dangerous basketball team to play. Would you be upset if somebody on the other team did a windmill dunk with a second and a half left in a game that had already well been decided? Probably not as much. Okay, I'm not a big unwritten rules guy. Me either. If you, if, you, if you don't want to be down by, by 20 points, don't be down by 20 points. Yeah. Also, you know, you look at the, some of the fan video from that. Really, the, the skirmer started with Alvarado, of course. And, of course, and Chris Paul. You know, <laughs> bumping up with Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Of and then campaign kind of came down and said, oh, what the hell's going on? Of course. Here? Oh, yeah. Alvarado. I mean, if Alvarado and Chris Paul didn't get into it, would the Zion dunk have gone relatively un... Noticed, not unnoticed, but would, there would have been a reaction. Would there to not it? have been a brouhaha? Yeah, I like saying brouhaha. 
on a Friday. Especially when we, By the way, is it almost we, six? Can we, we have a brew? <laughs> when you wave your arms around like yeah. that, we are. It's a brew-ha-ha. My friend, you are 34 minutes and 10 seconds away from a brew ha ha. <laughs> if that's what you want. No, I got three kids I got to go home and feed. <laughs> you, can have, you can have a brew ha ha when you feed three kids. It smells like, it smells like a Domino's night. <laughs> are, they, are they a sponsor? Who's a sponsor? Uh, Streets of New York? Uh, uh, we've got uh, Spinatos. Spinato, it smells Spinatos. like a Spinatos. Spinatos kind yes. of a night, right? Yes. <laughs> so have you subscribed to the Burns and Gambo Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. The Cardinals are in a hole. How deep is it? How do they get themselves out of it? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So once again, um, for those of you just getting in the car, just tuning us in, uh, we won't spend a ton of time talking about it because there's just not much to say until more information comes out about it. But for those of you who haven't heard, Sean Kugler, the former offensive line coach, former run game coordinator, uh, uh, in a legal filing that was put in a couple of days ago called the allegations against him that caused him to lose his job with the Cardinals unsubstantiated. He said he was fired due to a, quote, miscommunication or because of mistaken identity, close quote. Uh, here's the statement from him as, through his lawyer, quote, mm-hmm. the mysterious allegations by the Cardinals are untrue. And I want to clear my name, be it a miscommunication or mistaken identity. My family and I will cooperate fully and honestly with the NFL, Cardinals, or any other agency to get to the truth in this matter and restore my reputation. Close quote. Kugler's lawyers filed a request for arbitration, they said in the release. They filed that uh, a couple of days ago. The Cardinals responded in kind with a statement this morning, quote, as an ongoing legal matter, we are going to refrain from comment other than to say that the team is confident the process will result in a much different set of facts than those presented today. And that had that it had good cause to terminate Mr. Kugler's employment. Close quote. That's what we know. That's and everything else is just speculation. Some of it wild speculation well, at this point. There's, you know? some, there's something rotten in Denmark, as the old saying goes. Now Sean Kugler's coming out. Now Bernsey, you're exactly right. There's not a whole lot we can say because we don't know. But what we can do is react to these specific statements that came out today, because at least there's enough breadcrumbs there that we can react to that. Sean Kugler saying it was miscommunication or mistaken identity. In other words, maybe I did something that was misconstrued or eh, it wasn't me. It was somebody else. The Cardinals come out and say, yeah, everything Kugler just said today is wrong. He's lying. Yeah. That was a real nice way of saying he's lying. It was a real lawyered up way of saying he's lying. He's lying. And we got and we have proof and it'll all come out. Yep. Somebody's lying in this whole thing. Something went down in Mexico City that night. And it's real. At the end of the day, that's what's real unfortunate here. Somebody's lying. Yep. And I don't know if somebody's trying to save his marriage or his career or get money out of it. 
And I don't know who's to blame or who did what, but the whole thing stinks. Yep, it does. It does. And, and and not only does the whole thing stink, it also is just another brick in the wall of everything that's gone wrong this year. And yet another, as we build our case for, not our case, but as the case is being built for cleaning house when this season is done and truly hitting a reset button on this organization, because it does... You know, this matter aside, this matter in conjunction with everything else that has gone on, it feels like a true hit of the reset button is very much in order. Now, we had Troy Rink on earlier. He's a Broncos insider, and it's a different set of circumstances, but they're going through something somewhat similar in Denver and that they, they kind of acknowledge this is the end of the Nathaniel Hackett era to the point where we even asked him, you know, what names are being talked about up there as guys who could replace Hackett, you know, being a one-and-done coach, and the name he kept coming back to was Dan Quinn. I took a special interest in his mention of Sean Payton. Sure. Because that's a name that has been linked, that we have linked to the Cardinals' potential opening if that's where they go, given that that there was some speculation. That, that, like We weren't the ones who linked them initially. It was Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler, I think, initially of ESPN.com like a month ago. Sure, and then Peyton, Peyton went on a show Peyton talking about her show. Hey, hey, I used to be a ball boy I, there. Yeah, I love yeah. the Bidwills. Um, we, used to, we used to have Christmas together. It was really interesting that the teams that he mentioned for Peyton were the two L.A. teams in and, case Staley gets fired. And not the Cardinals. And not the Cardinals. It was the two L.A. teams in case Staley gets fired, McVay retires, or Mike McCartney, McCarthy doesn't get the Cowboys far enough in the playoffs. He didn't mention the Cardinals. He didn't say anything about the Cardinals. So I hope we're not constructing something that's not there. I, I, I think we're tying Sean Payton with the Cardinals because he mentioned them and they were mentioned in a report. I know for you and... Trust me, I'm on board with this too. You've got the Sean Payton plan, and I'm I'm down with the Sean Payton plan. I, I, I that to me, in some ways, if you're gonna hit the reset button on this, I feel like it might end up being the only option that really gets you where you want to go as an organization. Yeah, Sean Payton and Jeff Ireland. That's the combo. That's the combo I'd like to see here. If, if Jeff Ireland is he's he's the assistant, assistant GM, GM for the Saints, the I, was, Saints. I was pausing because I was he's the assistant yeah, GM Mickey with Lewis the Saints. is the GM with the Saints, and Jeff Ireland is the assistant there. Assuming right? those guys personally get along, now if they hated each other in New Orleans, sure, that's a that different story. Things, I, right? I don't know if they did, but Ireland's got a great track record. He's well respected. They've drafted well. It seems to me like a nice marriage. Yeah. If they if those guys got along in New Orleans. Yeah, this I I mean And then look. I and then I joked with you and I got a big smile on my face, so nobody tweet me about how dumb this is, but I was joking that Peyton might as well bring Drew Brees to quarterback the team until Kyler Murray is healthy. Do you like that idea? I'm smiling about it too. I'm laughing. <laughs> You're joking, but I, I I'm smiling. I like it. Um it, it's look, I I don't know what's gonna happen in the next three to four weeks. What, January 9th is the is the Black Monday. Um at this point, the season is really nothing but a countdown to that date. I mean, you know, there's still games to be played, and there's still guys out there who have contracts to earn, who will play with pride, who will play their asses off. 
Koloff, looking at you, Buddha, looking at you, JJ, looking at you, Kelvin Beecham, bunch of guys on that roster who are still, who still play hard, play with pride. But for Cardinal fans, if we're just being honest, this season is now a ticking clock to January 9th to see what happens and, and, and how it happens. And at this point, and this goes beyond the cooler news today, at this point, it, it, it just feels like a complete and total reset is in order here. And if if that is the agreed upon direction by the Cardinals for the Cardinals, then I agree with you. I, I mean, hand the keys over to Sean Payton and see what he can do. Now, I was, we were talking about this during one of the breaks. You know, organizationally, they've had bad experiences in the past when they've gone that direction. Denny Green, Buddy Ryan, and I know one of those in particular is a long time ago. It, it, it speaks to how long I've been covering sports because I remember the Buddy Ryan era. I, I understand they haven't had the greatest experiences that way in the past, but it does feel like if a true reset is in order, that that's the direction they need to go. Will Sean Payton be interested? Uh, listen, if, they, if, the, if the Rams are open, the Chargers job is open, the Cowboys job is open, it's going to be tough to get them here. It, right. it really it is. It is. It is. It, 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 you could talk blank check, uh, but... Some blank checks are bigger than others. Well, you talk about the state of a roster. You talk then then the Kyler Murray injury becomes a factor. Yes. But you don't know if Sean McVay is going to retire. You don't know if there's going to be an opening in... The Chargers, the Chargers Brandon Staley, does he get him into the... I, I don't know this for a fact. I would imagine if the Chargers don't make the playoffs, there will be, but Probably. I don't know. We don't, don't know. we don't know. What if the Cowboys make a run to the Super Bowl? I mean, so all those things are, are kind of up in the air. So. I, I don't... I'll say this about the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys... I don't know this. I'm not a Cowboy insider. I think Sean Payton would, unless I'm really misreading the putt, Jerry Jones would have to go through a serious transformation as an owner in this league for Sean Payton to take that job. Now, maybe I'm totally wrong, but that there's really only one time where Jerry Jones has allowed that to happen in the history of his ownership there, and that was with Parcells, right? That only lasted a couple of years, right? Where Jerry Jones was like, okay, you know what? I'll step aside. You run the show. Well, that only lasted a couple of years. There were two good years, but it only lasted a couple of years. I don't. Would Sean Payton go to Dallas with? Jerry Jones paws all over everything? Here's something else to think about. If the Cowboys are in the playoffs and the Chargers do somehow make the playoffs and make a little bit of a run, you could lock in Sean Payton before those jobs are even open. That you could. Make him an offer he can't refuse. That you could. Don't even let it get to that point. Right. Don't even wait for the Dallas Cowboys. Lock him in a a room. We're not leaving this room until the deal is done. Here's a check. I'm going to put your your number on that. Put your number in that in on yeah, that check, and, and I look, like, and I don't want to get anybody excited about something that may not happen, right? Like this is you and we're just two guys talking about what we're we'd like to see talking. happen. We're just two guys talking here. I, we're we're not. I, we, if it doesn't happen, I don't want people to go. But you said no. All we said is that this is what we'd like. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just you don't want to send Tom Hagen over to over to Sean Payton's house, <laughs> make him offer he can't refuse. <laughs> God, anytime I get a Godfather reference. It's fantastic. 
That's great. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, first a reminder of when we come back on Burns and Gambo. You can join Bud Light this Sunday. It's a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Broncos. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, food specials, all game long at Philly's Sports Bar and Grill off Warner Road and the I-10. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for more information. When we come back, another important weekend for many teams in the NFL. Whose playoff hopes are on the line? What games are we going to be watching on Saturday and Sunday? That's right, Saturday and Sunday. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, what what is on tonight? Let's see. Coyotes are on tonight. That's right. They're home against the Islanders. 7.30. Just ask Gambo. They're the four-time Stanley Cup winning Islanders from 40 years ago. Mike Boss. Mike Bossy. <laughs> Why is my mic not on? I don't know. The red button was pushed. What are you doing back there, Mitch? Oh, not working. Don't cut me off, birthday boy. It's his birthday. If you want to live to see 28, my friend. He's checked out. He's, he's ready to take home those nothing bunt cakes. Anyway, Mike yeah. Bossy. <laughs> I, I hope you can name some guys on the Islanders in the 80s. because I can't. There you go. Okay, so they, now you sound like Gambo. Now you sound like Gambo. Uh, locally, locally, that is it. The Islanders are on the Islanders and the Coyotes side at 7.30. You'll hear that here on Arizona Sports. Tomorrow, of course, Pelican Suns at 7 o'clock. DeAndre Ayton campaign already ruled out. They won't play. Sabres are in town tomorrow taking on the Coyotes. Good college basketball game on tomorrow. Tennessee versus U of A. And then, of course, on Sunday, the Cardinals taking on the Broncos. And ASU basketball having a very good year so far taking on San Diego. That's what's on this weekend. It's also, and I'm sure you know this, Tim, the start of the college football bowl season. It is upon us. baby. Yeah. What do we got? Well, we've already got a couple finals for you. Oh, The Duluth Trading Cure Bowl was played today. Troy beat UTSA 18-12. The Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl was today. UAB beat Miami 24-20. You've got... Actually, you got some decent bowl games on tomorrow. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna scoff at it too bad. You get some decent games. Decent games. You got the Fenway Bowl, Cincinnati versus Louisville. By the way, in that game, little drama. Yeah. Louisville's head coach Scott Satterfield Took left job at Cincinnati. Louisville to go to Cincinnati. Dun dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. The Wasabi. Uh, the Fenway Wasabi Bowl. Fenway Bowl. Thank you. The uh, Oregon State versus Florida in the Vegas Bowl. Oregon State ranked 14th in the country. Florida, disappointing year. They're 6-6. Six six. Washington State tomorrow taking on Fresno State in the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. <laughs> I still think it's hilarious. Jimmy Kimmel is sponsoring a bowl. Right? I think that's all kinds of awesome. I really do. It's like the Dave Burns Bowl. Oh, there's no way I'll ever have a bowl named after myself. played at Chaparral High School. Yeah, the New Mexico Bowl between BYU and SMU. There are a couple of others as well, but they're actually some kind of sort of decent games on the market. Tomorrow, if bowl games are your thing, I know for a lot of people these days, the only bowls they really dig into are the semifinals, uh, of which you are emceeing media day, hosting, hosting Fiesta the Bowl, Verbo Fiesta Bowl, the media Verbo day? Fiesta Bowl media day. That'll be uh, Thursday, December 29th. Obviously, TCU in Michigan. Yep. Jim Harbaugh, Sonny Dykes. Yep. 
Looking forward to that. One of the national semifinals, the uh, Fiesta Bowl headquarters, as always. Is that the second game on New Year's Eve or the first game? I, I, I shouldn't put you on the spot like that. I just you know what? I, you knew at the top of your head. I don't know. Going by time zones, we'd I would assume probably the second, game? the second game. Hold on. Now, normally the Fiesta Bowl, when it's not a semifinal game, kicks off at 11 o'clock in the morning local time. But I'm guessing because of the time zones... The Fiesta would be the second game, but let's go ahead and check. That would be incorrect. Oh, my goodness. TCU Michigan is the first game of the day. Ohio State Georgia is the second game of the day. There you go. Given the quote-unquote quality, if you will, and I'm air-quoting the matchup, mm-hmm. one would think the Georgia-Ohio State game would be considered the marquee of the two games. I wouldn't disagree with that. I would not disagree with that at all. All right, and then stuff we're watching this weekend as well, of course, Cardinals-Broncos on Sunday. Um, But that matchup is obviously been a little neutered given everything that's gone on with both those teams, and believe me, that's putting it really, really nicely. Um, There are some games, and, and you mentioned this earlier, the return of Saturday NFL. Three games on the slate tomorrow since the college schedule has been vacated, including one very good game in the AFC East between the Dolphins and the Bills and was expected to be played in a raging snowstorm in Buffalo in that game. It's going to be freezing cold. Tua and the Dolphins don't play well when it's freezing cold. They don't. What was the uh, what was the record on Miami in sub freezing? They have won. They have. They've never won. I don't think they've ever won a game where the temperature is below forty degrees. I th- hold on. Now you- that sounds familiar. Even going back to the Marino era, that they've never won a game. In below freezing temperatures. Rolling down. Anyway, the Bills here. are ten and three. Dolphins are no, eight. No, I'm five. sorry. I'm sorry. They've lost eight straight games. Okay, okay, that sounds more like it. They've lost eight straight games with a kickoff temperature of forty below. Two is the one who has yet to win or even play well in a game where temperatures are below fifty degrees. Fifty. Fifty. Okay. Fifty, which is actually I mean, really? Fifty? Fifty. I mean, that's not come on, man up to it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> come on, put on a put on a hoodie and let's make it happen. To it's not that bad. It's fifty degrees. Put on a long sleeve shirt, some thermals. You can ma- have some hot chocolate on the sideline. You're gonna be okay. It's fifty degrees. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. The triple header on the NFL Network got Colts, Vikings, Ravens, Browns, and then the nightcap will be the aforementioned Dolphins in Buffalo against the Bills. The games that the games that I find most intriguing: um, Lions at the Jets. Uh, Jets are changing quarterback because Mike White's hurt. They're going with uh, Zach Wilson. The Lions. I'm 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 counting on you, Detroit. Don't let me down. I think you're going to get that last playoff spot. I do. I don't know why I think that, but I think that. I think you're going to get that playoff spot. Steelers at the Panthers. Normally, I wouldn't bring up a game between two, five, and eight teams, but the Panthers have actually played pretty well as of late. They might actually push Tampa Bay when it's all said and done. At least it's possible they'll push Tampa Bay. Nothing like a five and eight team that fired their coach and traded away their best player. Make it a run at the division. Can you imagine when a seven and ten team makes the playoffs? Because in that division, a seven and ten team might make the playoffs. 
Seven and ten. Um, Bengals at Bucks Sunday afternoon should be a good one. Well, sneaky, I mean, intriguing, sneaky, intriguing. Just to see, you know, I, the, the Bucks aren't any good. The Bengals are very, very good, but the Bucks need to hold off the Panthers. The Giants and the Commanders on Sunday Night Football. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if either of these teams are really good, but they're both trying to get into the playoffs, and the Giants just seem to be fading. And the Commanders, they got a little something, something that's been kind of cooking the last few weeks, haven't they? Right? They, they've been playing with a little bit of moxie these last few weeks. A little weeks. bit of moxie. I mean, didn't these two teams play like two weeks ago? Yeah, they tied. Yeah, they tied. They tied. Yeah. And then Monday night, Buck and Aikman got to go to Lambeau Field to watch the Packers play. They got to be They got to be pissed. <laughs> Can you imagine how good a game between the Rams and the Packers looked at the beginning of the season? Of course. And how awful it looks now. But at least they get to snuggle with Aaron Rodgers again, those two. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. <laughs> Tim, as always, great work. He'll be filling in for me next week. We'll be back with you on Monday, straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go. Oh.